When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. My goodness, you all look great tonight. Give yourselves a round of applause, you handsome and beautiful people. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Chad. I remind you, we are the play-by-play voice of both teams. We would have been, oh, heck, we would have been coming up on the start of the CFL regular season. And if things would have gone well, maybe the Oilers would have been in the Stanley Cup final. They still have a chance to do that, probably, as the NHL is looking to return to play the CFL season. We shall see. The NBA looks like they're getting closer to announcing some plans. All the reports out today is that they're going to go for a 22-team return. They will all convene in uh, Orlando, and they will have 13 teams in the Western Conference, nine in the East. They will have eight regular season games, possibly a little play-in tournament for the eighth seed, and then the playoffs. So any team within six games of a playoff spot will get to go participate for the NBA. So that's why it's 13 in one conference and nine in the other. uh, And obviously the Toronto Raptors having another pretty good season. So, of course, they would be part of that tournament. You can reach out tonight. I'm always happy to hear from you. The number to call and the number to text is the same, 780-496-0063. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. And you can email me, inside sports at 630ched.com. I do not have a Hotmail account. I apologize for that. Kellen, do you have Hotmail? I, I had to get in touch with somebody recently, and they had a Hotmail account. I, I had a Hotmail right? account way back when, I want to say high school. So for me, 15, 16 years ago, something like that. It's been that long since you were in high school? Class of 2003. Oh, I thought you were, like, just freshly out of high school. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, well, you have you, you have this very um, young joie de, joie de vivre about you. Or joy to vivre, as we used to say back in Evansburg. I totally take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> on a uh, much more serious note, Connor McDavid, the captain of the Edmonton Oilers, put out a statement today on social media. I will read it for you in its entirety. It won't take too long. McDavid writes, Like everyone else, I watched the horror of George Floyd's murder and felt the hel- felt helpless and sick to my stomach. And as I have watched the many protests against racism and social injustice that have been taking place around the world, I realized that I need to do more to educate myself, that I need to learn more about the history of racism in our countries and listen to the voices and the perspectives of the black community and other racial minorities to try and understand how I can help to affect positive change going forward. As a young white male and pro athlete, I recognize that we live a very privileged life. I believe that the time is now for all of us to get out of our comfort zones, to not sit idly on the sidelines, and to be part of the solution to ensure that we end racism in our society. Those words from Oilers captain Connor McDavid, uh, many athletes 
many coaches, many organizations, and many in hockey expressing similar sentiments to McDavid over the last few days. Sidney Crosby wrote something today. We played some comments from Blake Wheeler, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets on last night's show. He was very passionate about it. Uh, Eric Carlson has uh, posted some thoughts that, that have been gaining a lot of traction as well. So, uh, you know, look, uh, I think it's a time a lot of us are trying to walk the walk, and hopefully uh, coming out of this, we will uh, – pardon me, we're, try- we're, we're talking the talk, and we'll be able to walk the walk and keep this in our minds as we move forward. So that's what Oilers captain Connor McDavid had to say today. Oilers head coach Dave Tippett had a lot to say. He was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. He also held a conference call with assembled media. One of those was me. I got to ask Tip a question today, which, by the way, I mentioned this to Jaylen when I was uh, on with her at the end of her show just before six. It made me feel normal, Kellen Kennedy. I got to ask a hockey coach a question. Nice. I have not, I have not done that in uh, in quite a while. It was uh, it was actually good to see Dave David. He could not see us on the Zoom calls. He has a camera. All the media just have their uh, their names in mm-hmm. squares uh, appearing, which is which is which is probably good. So I, I asked Dave Tippett. All right, Dave. Here's the situation. You're you've been a head coach, a coach in hockey for a long time. You know what it is like to prepare for a training camp and organize a training camp that is old hat and you're going to have to do that but now you're going to have to do it after this very unusual pause in the season and you're going to have to do it where the first game back after the training camp is not a meaningless preseason game it's going to be game one of a qualifying round against the chicago blackhawks basically a playoff game though the nhl isn't formally calling it that so what does that mean for your approach for camp? How does that affect camp? Well, preparation is going to be key because, uh, you know, like you say, you're going to, you're going to go from a pause to a hundred miles an hour in a hurry. So uh, we've talked to our players quite a bit, how we would like to arrange a camp. Uh, obviously we're still pretty generic with timelines and, and things like that, but um you know, I think uh, I think it would be a combination. We have some veteran players that understand what it takes when you get in the in the playoffs and how hard it's going to be. And we also have some young legs that I think coming out of a break should be uh, uh, should be ready to go. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because it's not like a training camp in the sense that you have sixty players and you're looking at a lot of people. You you know who you have. Uh, you know where most of the parts fit. Uh, training camp will be to see if there's a player or two that is going to jump up and uh, and looks like he's chomping at the bit ready to go and the possibility of maybe somebody falls behind, uh, you know, and hasn't, hasn't come in as good a shape as they should be uh, after the pause. So those are all things we'll monitor. The good thing is we know our group well. We'll, uh, we'll go into it. We'll have a little bit of, a, um, you know, a refresher course on exactly how we want to play and how we want to go about things. We'll look at some... Uh, you know, the, our opponent coming up, Chicago, and and uh, figure out if there's some things that uh, we we have to be aware of there. And, uh, you know, we'll be ready to play. All right. So I thought that was an interesting response uh, from Tippett from training camp. And so that that's the difference. That there, aren't, there aren't 60 players there, and you're shuffling through all of them and deciding which AHL guys are going to get a couple of games. And there might be a few players fighting for spots, but you got to go through all these players they know the team, they know the roster, but there there might be opportunities. Is there an opportunity for Tyler Benson? 
maybe to uh, to make an impact here. He would certainly be at the top of the list for players pushing. What if William Lagesson is over here from Sweden on on defense? Would he have an opportunity to bump his way up the depth chart a, a little bit? But it, I mean, this is this is going to be the weird thing. You're going to have a training camp. They'll try to make it as competitive as possible. Not the Oilers, but all 24 teams coming back, and then and then you got to go now. And then that's the advantage. That that's the advantage of those teams that got the buy. And I, I know at least this is this is what I think. I've certainly seen varying opinions. I know I've heard from some of some of uh, you folks out there when you've texted in. Well, you know those teams are going to kind of play these seeding games, but they're not going to have the intensity of the playoffs. So is that really an advantage for them to to play those games to get up and running? I just say having that buy is the advantage. Yes, you could get hurt. Yes, they're going to be regular season games. More, you know, they'll have the regular season rules as opposed to being a part of the best of the five. But I would always take a buy, and that's the the tough thing for the Oilers missing out on those few percentage points to the Dallas Stars. I, I I'd still sooner not to have to jump into a series where where you could be eliminated. But you know, again, and Darnell Nurse said it in his availability last week. Who's going to handle it? Make it a challenge to handle it. Make it something mentally you have to rise to the occasion and see what you can accomplish. Dave Tippett also commented on the on the pace of play, what he thinks it'll be when the season restarts. Tense. Uh, my first reaction will it may be a little bit sloppy because uh, you're not, you know, when you're in the regular season, you're building up to that playoffs and you're trying to hit it at your peak rate at the right time. There's going to be no buildup here. You're going to have to hit the ground running. So uh, I think there'll be lots of intensity. I think there'll be um, emotion from the players, even if there isn't any from the fans. Uh, there'll be emotion from the players to get up and going. And But I think you, you could see um, some mistakes like a preseason game where it's uh, you're not in rhythm. So the... The key for that is we're going to have to prepare as best we can in training camp uh, through some scrimmages and things like that to try to get as close to a level of game that we can so it doesn't shock your body when you get into that game. Yeah, I wonder if there's going to be even more scrimmaging than usual in training camp. And often there isn't a lot of time for that. They usually will start training camp September 14th or 15th. You're often playing a preseason game by the 18th, 19th, or 20th. So you might have a couple of scrimmages, inter-squad games before you get going. I would think they'll try to simulate some game intensity before they uh, jump into the series against Chicago. By the way, Kellen, this is like this is quite the lead-up to this series, eh? Like, we could be two months. We could be over two months away from it. Maybe late July it starts. Maybe. Uh, maybe it doesn't start till into August. Maybe they have to revamp the format mm-hmm. and they're not even playing Chicago by then. Right. So either either we're going to be this. This will be the most. I guess I have two choices. We just make it the most talked about preamble preview to a playoff series in Edmonton radio history. Or I could just talk really slowly when talking about it. So it's the same amount of content. I'll just spread it out. But like when you when you put our like a, a thirty three record on, what's the slower speed? I can't even remember anymore. Well, it'd be you like put a forty five. Yeah, you, you put a forty five on thirty three. Yeah, there you slows go. It slows it down a little bit. Maybe that's what we're gonna have to do. Yeah, and my votes for the former there, Reed. Let's just uh, do the lead up as it. Yeah, we'll just here. keep doing the lead up. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Tip it little bit here on facing the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I, I didn't put a lot of thought into it until it became a reality of what uh, what might come down the pike. Um, you know, we've talked to our players and our coaches. I've talked to a lot about us preparing for 
and preparing our team, making sure we're ready before we look at anybody else. So that'll be the first step in the process. But you, uh, you obviously look at your opponent. There's, uh, uh, you know, you look at Chicago. There's the thing that jumps out at you is the championship pedigree that they have, and, and Taves and Kane and Keith. Um, you know, they're they're top top players. They're elite players. So uh, you have to respect that. Respect. Uh, where they've been, what they've done. But again, uh, we're going to really concentrate on what we have to do and hopefully what we have to do to be successful. But you'll also know your opponent well. And uh, like I said, just about training camp, we'll, we'll go into it. We'll be prepared. And hopefully we'll be prepared for what we have to do, but also, uh, you know, looking at Chicago and seeing if there's anything that we have to uh, make sure we're aware of going into the series. All right, a little bit there from Dave Tippett. Uh, more from Tippett as we move along tonight. You can also get uh, more on what he said today and uh, more on the Connor McDavid statement in relation to the uh, death of George Floyd, the unrest in the United States, all the discussion about racism we've been having over the last few days, all of that on globalnews.ca, 630shed.com. We're going to catch up with Tom Higgins between 7.30 and 8. He's always fun to talk to, now the defensive coordinator for the U of A Golden Bears. And somebody texted in about Drew Brees, so we'll play his comment when we get back. to hear some Def Leppard on a Wednesday evening or a Friday morning, a Sunday afternoon, 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. Really, any, any time is, is fine with me. Okay, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. I read Connor McDavid's statement off the top of the show. He put that out on social media earlier today about his reaction to the death of George Floyd and seeing what's happening in the United States. And I got a text from one of you, one of the 14 listeners to this show, I guess one of the few of you, I don't know my name, but uh, anyway, and this texter said, simply said, and then there's Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees is uh, facing a lot of backlash today because of comments that he said, uh, look, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to think about it. Uh, I'm sure you, if, if you've seen it all, I'm sure you've seen that the, the large majority of the uh, reaction to the Breeze comment, if not all of it, has been uh, negative and against what he said. But anyway, uh, Saints quarterback, Drew Breeze. Here we go. Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let, me, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s. And everyone and all that has been endured by so many people 
up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better and that we are all part of the solution. All right, so that's Drew Brees today. He's had some teammates uh, get upset with him uh, over this. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, one of them, he says he was hurt by Brees' comments that they were extremely self-centered. Uh, Jenkins in Instagram said, our communities are under siege and we need help. And what you're telling us is don't ask for help that way. Ask for it in a different way. I can't listen to it when you ask that way. We're done asking, Drew. And people who share your sentiments, who express those and push them throughout the world, the airwaves, are the problem. So uh, Richard Sherman, who's obviously been uh, really outspoken throughout his career, wrote on Twitter saying that Breeze was beyond lost. Guarantee you there were black men fighting alongside your grandfather, but this doesn't seem to be about that. That uncomfortable conversation you were trying to avoid by injecting military into a conversation about brutality and equality is part of the problem. So a little bit there from other NFL players reacting to uh, Drew Brees, who, by the way, you know, Drew, like this thing, we're all free to, to, to say and think what we want. And people are also free to react to it how they want. And uh, Drew Brees is not drawing a lot of positive reaction for what he said. So anyway, somebody brought that up on the text line. I wanted to play the comments so you could all hear it for yourselves. And then quite frankly, you can all judge for yourselves as well. I want to get here to one more clip from Dave Tibbet. Now, Kellen, before I get to this, just let me set this up. He was asked about playing games in an empty building. And this does not relate to his coaching days with the Phoenix and Arizona Coyotes. Got it, it relates to possibly playing without fans when we get to a postseason. Here's tip on that. You know, you think about it, but I don't know if you're really going to know how it's going to be until you get in the situation. And, uh, you know, depending on the building you're in, where everybody else is sit, uh, sitting, um, the, the one good part of it probably be less screaming on the bench because you're, uh, you're yelling a line or whatever to make sure everybody knows that they have to go. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes the atmosphere around is so loud that you have to make sure you're yelling both ways on the bench. So there'll probably be less of that. The players will be a little more attentive to what you're saying rather than just getting drowned out. But, um, you know, you think about it, but I don't know if you're really going to know how it is until you get into the situation. So uh, we'll read and react when we get there. Um, I think it will be a different, it will be a different experience for, for everybody, coaches and players. And um, the biggest thing I'm, I'd like to see is the how is the energy and the and the excitement in the of the of the game itself, you know? Because a lot of times that can be driven. The emotion can be driven by fans and driven by noise and driven by the emotion that's going around the building. And can the players, uh, you know, adjust to that? Can they bring their own emotion to it? It's, it's going to be a factor that's. Uh, I'm interested to see how, how teams respond to that. Yeah, well, that's going to be the test for teams. Can they generate their own emotion and their own excitement? I, I think pro athletes generally know how to do that, though, as Tippett mentioned, the crowd can help in a lot of situations. All right, we got a break for the 7.30 news. We will catch up with Tom Higgins, the former Eskimos head coach, the former Stampeders head coach. He is back in Edmonton as the defensive coordinator for the U of A Golden Bears.
right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. More on Dave Tippett, Connor McDavid on 630Chad.com. Some other notes to tell you about Major League Baseball. Man, they just are having trouble finishing this thing out. Uh, report from the Associated Press that Major League Baseball has rejected the players' offer for a 114-game regular season. Uh, Major League Baseball proposed an 82-game schedule last week. There was talk of even going all the way down to 50 games, but they can't seem to straighten that out. You probably heard me say the NBA looking at 22 teams to finish the regular season and then do the playoffs near Orlando. There'd be 13 teams in the Western Conference, nine in the East. They would allow any teams within six games of a playoff spot to play eight regular season games and then go into the playoffs in August, NBA Finals into October. And uh, the Ryder Cup, uh, one of my favorite golf events to watch, the fate of this year's Ryder Cup will be decided by the end of the month at the moment it is still on the schedule for september 25th to 27th at whistling straits in wisconsin that's also one of my uh, one of my favorite courses to watch big event golf on 6 30 ched mornings tomorrow racism in the workplace is more common than we think 6 30 ched mornings welcomes omar Mosley to further discuss the matter tomorrow at 805 a.m that of course is with chelsea and shea my name is reed wilkins thank you for tuning in to inside sports with you seven to eight every week here on 630 chat i know a few of you have asked uh how come you're not on six to seven anymore it is a temporary change to the show as we uh take you through the pandemic and a lot of other news happening in the world so right now global news at six is on from six to seven i'm with you from seven to eight uh that is that is temporary and a lot of things in the world are, are feeling temporary and uncertain at the moment one thing i can tell you for sure is that this guy is back in edmonton he's the defensive coordinator for the U of A Golden Bears. And uh, now as we bring Tom Higgins aboard, I guess, Tom, we're, we're not quite sure what's going to happen with your schedule, but you're back in Edmonton. And uh, we talked to you shortly after you were hired, and we're pleased to have you on the, sh- on the show again. Let people know how you're doing and how you've been working through uh, this pandemic that the world is facing. Well, Reed, it's, it's great to be on with you. And uh, a very good evening to all the listeners. Um, yeah, it, it's really exciting, actually, to be back in green and gold. It just happens to be at the university level. But to be, uh, have the opportunity to work with and to have my boss be somebody who was a player when I was with the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, but no, we, we have similar philosophies. So Chris Morris, head coach of University of Alberta, football program, doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, they're student-athletes, student-first, athlete-second. I had had opportunity before the pandemic to spend a little bit of time with the, uh, the football team and, and our defense, and I'm very excited about coming back, and it, it looks like it's going to be modified. Uh, U-Sports has shortened mostly everyone's season, so if we do get to come back and play this year, It'll probably be in September, and looks like we have five games on our schedule. And I, I like everybody else. I'm trying to social distance. We, my wife and I, will shop early in the morning. We shop and get groceries one every ten days, type of thing. Um, but we're getting some great workouts in. Uh, we get lifts and we get walks. Uh, so we've been staying busy. And this past weekend was the, a first for me. I have had many spring camps, but this was at my very first virtual spring camp, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 
the whole University of Alberta football team uh, was on Zoom meetings. And so we would have a team meeting. We would break, and then we'd have special teams, and then we'd break out into defense, and then break even the defense out into uh, the different units and offense different units, and then uh, did some leadership work, some communication work. Um, so it was delightful. The, the only thing missing, obviously, was physical contact and being on the football field. And hopefully that's to come, but it, uh, those are the things that have been keeping me busy. Well, that's really cool to hear that the Golden Bears were able to do that. And you got to adapt and you got to find a way to be productive and uh, and mentor your players and bring them along. Because when, when, when the games, I mean, here's the thing, Tom, on a show like this, we can debate the, the format in the NHL, the NBA, youth sports, all that kind of stuff. When the, whenever the opening kickoff happens you, you better win enough games to be in the postseason if it's five <laughs> or eight so i think i i, I think this is going to be a test of uh of uh mental strength of uh of self-motivation as much as anything else when the games do start yeah i i, I agree 100 percent read with that uh that's one of the things that why we have the meetings and say you know what should we have this opportunity and it presents itself you can't say, oh, I wish I would have worked out more. Or I wish I would have done this more. Um, you only have one shot at it, and it's the mental discipline. So we had a chance to talk about that as well because most of these workouts are all by yourself without the use of uh, your normal gym. Uh, you're finding ways in which to go. We're, we're really blessed. We have someone who is full-time on making sure that the players have – so many different programs that if they don't have one thing to uh, uh, as far as equipment is concerned, you can still do things body weight. There's things you can do to keep you sharp. Tom Higgins joining us tonight on Inside Sports. When you were on a few months ago, we had a great talk about officiating because, of course, you had the director officiating role with the CFL, and I really enjoyed that chat. I, I want to get into some more coaching philosophy stuff with you tonight. We had a lot of comments in the first half hour of the show from Dave Tippett, who's probably going to be a coach of the year candidate in the NHL with the Oilers. I don't know if he'll win it, but I imagine he'll probably be in the top four or five. And when he was hired, he talked a lot about building relationships with players. You know, he didn't talk about X's and O's too much, or this guy's going to stand here on the penalty killer on the power play or, or anything like that. He talked a lot about building relationships with players. I'm curious when you were a head coach with pro athletes, how you approach that. And obviously in football, you're doing it with a roster size that is about triple that of a hockey team. Correct. Um, It's true. And I've been so fortunate in my whole football career. I grew up in a football family and every place that I have gone. And even uh, when I had the first opportunity to talk to the defense, I said, you know, I really only apply three rules, and I'd like for you to write these down, and I'd like for you to remember them. And it's very simple. And I I thought the first time I was introduced to these was when I was at North Carolina State. So my first exposure to university level, my coach at that time was Lou Holtz. And I'm thinking, this man's a genius because I can remember three, 10 or 20, you know, 
is a lot for a young man coming in that's uh, there your head swimming so it, it's really simple and it has to deal with relationships it has to do with if you find these three elements in an individual they're successful if you find these three elements in an organization it will be successful uh, so the first one is um, do what's right if you do what's right then you know you can be trusted do the right thing you don't have to have a lot of rules most people know you know what's right or wrong and so do what's right so if you do what's right you're trusted and anything you do you do it to the best of your ability and so if somebody were to do that or the organization were to do that you know that they're committed to excellence and the third is the, the golden rule treat people the way you want to be treated and then really what that comes down to is care so what you're looking for in an organization in a relationship is trust committed and caring and if you do those things you have a chance to always be successful and they're based on relationships it's based on uh, you know doing the right things and, and everything that you do as a coach you do it to the best of your ability and that's an example and why would an athlete want to do the same thing or any any individual in your organization and then if you just treat people the way you want to be treated um life would be a lot different and you know we're, we're experiencing so much turmoil in, in our uh, existence right now you can't turn on the television without being bombarded negatively and it's not about COVID-19 anymore it's about the situation that we're faced with and so th there's a, a little saying that's rather interesting is um, players don't care how much you know they want to know how much you care and that's relationships that's it's you don't have to as a coach you'll you'll learn things and you can bring out the best in things these three rules bring out the best in any individual and in any relationship that you have and it's it all starts with relationships and that's what i'm so proud of being part of the university of alberta golden bears is that uh, i've had the opportunity to be with chris and to be the head coach and the gm and now he's the head coach i get to be the defensive coordinator but we we believe the same things we treat people the same way we have the same relationships and uh that's what i, I couldn't be prouder and the the other thing is how how fun is it uh, ricky walters was the slot back and we won a great cup together so the three of us were all together in 2003 when we were in regina and played the montreal alouettes in the last game of the football season and won a great cup because we were trusted we we were committed to excellence and we cared for one another and so that's it in a nutshell, Reed. Well, that's excellent. I love how you put that. I actually jotted down those three things you were saying. I got to remember how you, how you put that. That that's really good. Tom Higgins joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Okay, I'm gonna th I'm gonna throw a couple more at you here. And, and thanks for doing this. I always enjoy your perspective. And I'll and I'll, I'll ask the question and I'll and I'll give you some preamble so you can think about it. In your mind, what is the biggest misconception that fans and or the media 
have about a football coach or how a team is coached. And I'll preface this by putting it this way. You know Blake Dermott, former Eskimo player, who's an analyst here on our network for Eskimos games. And, you know, <laughs> sure Blake, Blake, Blake and I, you know, we do a weekly thing after each Eskimos game. The first show after an Eskimos game, he comes on and we kind of go through the game. And, I, you know, one day I was like, well, why why did they call that? Why did, why did they do this? Why was the defensive back so far off? Why would they call that defense? And he said, Reed, you don't know that that was the call. Like he said, you don't know if that was the call. You don't know if the athlete reacted to something the other team did or a teammate did or just made a mistake so he goes you can't always say a play doesn't work and blame the coach like he said sometimes other things happen so that was my misconception that I got to deal with uh you've been a head coach what what is the biggest misconception that you might kind of be like oh come on that's that's not always on the coach you know um I love that Blake understands that because even as a as a coach you can actually call a play and say a defensive play and you might have to ask the players what were you playing i know i called this but they might have checked it they might have saw something different then you, you you they uh he might have reacted and uh, those things happen um you do get a perception of coaches from the outside uh bill belichick has this one perception of himself because he doesn't have time for media and uh, you know what he, he's probably still a nice guy uh pete carroll i like i because i think he gets the most out of players but so does bill belichick but they do it different ways but there are some coaches that have a philosophy you know if you, you if you're if you're not cheating you ain't trying no if, if you're cheating you're cheating that's not what we want to, to have happen and so it's, it's different perspective but when someone watches a football game and to blame something on a coach or a player um or even an official for that matter you know most people know the name of the referee but there's six other guys that are on his team and they they hate that official the referee because they feel that they get more penalties called against their home team than anybody else and that's usually never the case as well so perception is um sometimes tainted uh and it's 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 interesting because to me i always protect the integrity of the whole organization you are the front facing the head coach takes full responsibility and if they don't then i'm not sure that they're going to last very long uh, if you're just pointing fingers, that's not the way it should be. I've always said, you know, if you, you point a finger, you have to point four fingers because three always point back at you. So you got to be careful. You don't, I mean, you don't ever do it. No, I'm just joking. Um, but, but coaches get uh, bad reps because a lot of times if it's just based on wins and losses. Um, you don't really know um, where Blake would know. Blake would know some of the coaches that he had that, you know what, I'd love to spend more time with that guy or I don't want to spend any more time with that guy because he doesn't, he doesn't think like I do and we don't have anything. We're not like-minded. So, you know, people on the outside, a lot of times just don't know. And so sometimes your personality just gets um, described as one way and then people just see you that way. Uh, I'm as, as intense as any coach could possibly be, although I don't have Vesuvius's when I'm on the sideline. And I, I 
came up and I was a, a guest coach when Jason Moss was the uh, head coach with the Edmonton Eskimos. And I thought I might be able to come on up and, and help them. Well, you know what? I, I, I couldn't in the respect that I, I, I talked to them that, you know, if you lose it, your players lose it. And so if you can control it a little bit more, but I wasn't going to be, I, I couldn't help them. And I, I tried to help them and I thought that would be helpful, but it just didn't work. Some people like that. Some people like that he throws down his headsets or throws water bottles. Um, that's not me. Uh, and it's not a lot of coaches, but everybody, the one thing you try to tell a young coach is be yourself. Don't try to be like somebody else because it's too hard. So hopefully that gives you just a little bit of an insight that um, people don't truly really know. Um, uh, every well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. You know, every coach has their own little idiosyncrasies, and not everybody's going to like the head coach. I think Yogi Berra did it right. He goes, um, just as long as you have seven players that like you, there's going to be seven players that don't, and you want to make sure that the seven players that are undecided don't go to the don't side. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and I, it was something like that, to, to that effect. And it's true, right? Um, it, you're the head coach, and the, a player is not playing; he's not starting. It's the head coach's fault. And now, so then he can talk to the reporters and say, "Yeah, the head coach doesn't know what the heck he's doing." So, but if you, if you win, usually it masks all the 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 negatives that you have going on. The, the real true success is knowing that if you are losing and you still have the players. Uh, that are still behind you, still working for you, 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 you ha always have a chance. So it reminds me of my, one of my last assignments was with the Montreal Alouettes. So it's my first year, and we're, ends up, we're one in seven. And, you know, everyone was calling for my head, which was fine. You know, if they, they want it, they take it, they, it, we get fired. But we ended up turning around and finished nine and nine, finished in second and had a playoff game and, you know, we went to the Eastern final, but what happened was the players continued to believe, you know, all the things we talked about that they knew that, Hey, you know, I, I cared about them that I, you, they knew they could trust me. I never wavered that, you know what, we can turn this around. And I, they knew that I was committed to them and the team. And so together we turned it around. I, I'd forgotten about that. The, yeah, you guys were one and seven, then won eight of your next nine games. Actually, your only loss during that run was uh, was here in Edmonton. Tom, th we're we're out of time already. We got We have to do this again. Maybe we can get you and we should get you and Chris and Ricky all in studio some night when we're allowed to gather again because that would be an absolute blast. But but thanks for doing this and and thanks for making time for me. We'll definitely stay in touch and. Uh, Whenever football gets going and we're actually talking about games, we will for sure have you on. So thanks for checking in tonight. Great. Absolutely. My pleasure. You take care of yourself and all you listeners. Uh, enjoy. You know what? This too shall pass and we will all be together again. And I'm looking forward to that day. That is Tom Higgins, defensive coordinator for the U of A Golden Bears football team. Always informative, always thoughtful. A pleasure to have Tom on the show. Quick timeout on Inside Sports.
Always a pleasure to have Tom Higgins on the show. We will definitely have him back. I want to end the show by reading a tweet put out tonight. Um, it is it is from uh, Hazel Ward on uh, on Twitter. She has a, a verified account. It's uh, from finance.yahoo.com. This is the tweet. <laughs> Kellen, I don't know if you've seen this. I, I, this is a I great way not. to end the show. Uh, this is the tweet. Spanish porn star Nacho Vidal, who likes to advertise his aromatic candles shaped like male genitalia on Twitter, okay. has been arrested on manslaughter charges following a man's death during a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. Like, that's one of those tweets and headlines. It starts off... It's it, like that comes in pretty pretty hot and, and it just keeps getting hotter. My goodness. Like it's it's like where is that gonna end? Where does that train end? Well, good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Six thirty Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.